0: It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know
1: We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say
2: Uh, Jeff, so let's start with, who do you support? Uh, Hawthorne. Always have, always will. What's the, st- what's the story behind that? Everyone's got uh, no, a story. No, no, no st- not really, just family. Um, we live within walking distance of Glenfrey Oval. Yeah. And uh, my mother tells the story that when I was four months old for the first game in April 1953, she took me down at three-quarter time when the gates were thrown open. Yeah. And uh, that was my first game. Nice. Got in early. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's always been, my family's mad on it. My dad used to sell raffle tickets at uh, Glenfrey Oval oh, in the yeah. 30s and the like. Oh, wow. So we go back a long way. My brother was on the committee in the, um, after the Fight Back event in 1996. Yeah. Um, he's an accountant, so he was pretty important in that area. And I think I've, um, I missed one grand final. It was 1971. I was working for The Truth. Yeah. So I've seen all of them from wow. 61 all the way through. Oh, Wow.
0: Pretty
1: lucky. Yeah, very <laughs> lucky. <laughs> um, Bit better than your Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Well I'm,
0: well, I'm waiting for the next one. <laughs> I
1: thought this year might have been the one. No, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, whose number did you have on the back of your jumper? No,
2: I don't think I did. We, we, I've got a photo of me. I was a toddler of a knitted Guernsey. Oh, yeah. So yep. no, no numbers in those days. But probably when I was growing up, I think John Peck would have been my favourite. Yeah. So if we had numbers, it would have been twenty-three. Yeah,
1: nice. Which is. Always seems to be a good number with Hawthorn players. (laughs) Has been,
2: yeah, has been. Uh, A couple of uh, omissions. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Simon Crawshay fits (laughs) in. Ron Scott, John Peck, um, Buddy Dermot. Yeah, yeah, it's a good list. There's a few good ones there. Tim O'Brien, the latest.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. He's okay, (laughs) but I don't think he's up to that.
0: (laughs) It's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Yeah, taking that one on. Yeah.
1: And the best game you've seen.
2: Well, it's hard to say the answer to that because um, look, funny thing—we're doing a book on 1989 Grand Final. Oh yeah. And I—I <coughs> I was sports editor at the Sunday Age in that month, and being a Hawthorne fan, I wanted to go to the footy yeah. and see the Grand Final, but I had to leave at quarter time, and I think at that stage we were seven goals to one, yeah. Yeah. which wow. Gary Ablett kicked the first goal in about the first thirty seconds of the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that quarter of footy is pretty impressive and embedded in my head. Yeah. Um, so Tony Wilson's doing that book, which okay. will be, we're hoping for August. It'll probably be August, September sort of thing for this season. Um, oh, it's just in time. Well, it's, it's
1: 30,
0: 30 year. They had
2: the anniversary last week, yeah. um, official, but that doesn't matter for the for the book. It's still 30 yeah. years since yeah. the event. And yeah. what's,
0: the, what's the kind of premise of it, just...
2: Well, Tony Wilson's written for me before. He wrote a book on Australia's um, uh, World Cup tour of Germany yeah. in, what year was that?
0: Um, four, eight years ago? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The one that, where John obviously kicked the goal to get us in there. That's right. Yeah, I okay. yeah. So he
2: did that book for me. And um, he was actually a Hawthorne under-19s player in 1989. Oh, so okay. it just And his father played in the 71 grand final, oh, Ray oh. Wilson, number 10. So there's that family heritage, and he's a crazy Hawthorne supporter. Um, he jumped at the idea, and he's been interviewing furiously on both sides of the fence.
0: Amazing. So we ha- I think that'll be a theory. really good one for us. Yeah, yeah. so just the, is it sort of the whole year leading up to it, or purely... It has backstory, around? but it's about the, the game. The game, so wow. yeah. Uh, but the
2: backstory is important because that was the year the Hawks came from, I think, 43 points behind three-quarter time in at Prince's Park oh, uh, yep, yep. to win a Classic. And they never
1: won back-to-back flags. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and Alan Joyce was... Yeah, yeah. So Yabby came back in 89. Is that... I'm trying to think.
1: Oh, no, Joyce was 88, was he? was he 91? I think he was 91. Yeah. Um, anyway,
2: <laughs> so um, 89 grand final? Yeah, so the first quarter of that game sits in my head pretty much, and I, I remember leaving the MCG, and I got in a taxi, and the bloke said to me, "Why the hell are you going to court time? <laughs> so back to the Sunday age. To yeah. get it all done. Yeah, oh, and uh, watch it un- rock, unfold on television.
1: Yeah. Nice. Oh, so well, let's uh, get into the Slottery Media Group then. Yeah. Can you just tell us a bit about it?
2: Well, um, my career has been in journalism and footy writing mainly. I started out in the Truth in 1971 doing racing. Yep. And then in 77 I went to the Australian doing general sport. In 79 I crossed over to the Age, and from 77 onwards I was pretty much doing footy, although I did cover the World Series cricket for the Australian. Yeah. Um, in the early '80s, I left '82. I went and started a restaurant. Then '87, That's a very different career, yeah, <laughs> just a change of career. '87 was sports editor of the Herald, um, and then '89, I was the first sports editor of the Sunday Age, and then left there in '90. In '90, and with a few others, we started the Tex Media Group, and one of the first things we did in that period was create a um, magazine for kids for the for for the afl called footy stars oh Oh, okay Yeah. yeah and um so that was the start of a relationship with the afl in a different form other than being a writer on the game yeah and uh in 95 i was commissioned by the afl by tony Peake and ross oakley to um, assist in the transition of the record from a, a pocket-sized book to the A4 product that is today in the Colour magazine. Oh, that's so from that point on, from 1995 uh, through to 2011, um, we were the official publisher of AFL publications. And, and what that means is anything that the AFL funded and, and needed to be produced in publishing, we, we did it, it for them. Free. Oh, yeah. wow. So that was the basis of, um, <coughs> of Slattery Media Group. Uh, it was a great period for us. We did stacks of things for the AFL, from pamphlets to logos to medals to, you know, we created the Norm Smith medal, the new one, the, the d- new d- premiers medal, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, all that sort of stuff. The upgrading of the brown loaf from what it became a little tinny thing to the full-on gold that it was supposed to be, it yeah. was created yeah. in 1924. Yeah. yeah um and so in that period and and before when I was writing on footy I had a great interest in the history of the game yeah and it had never really been done and still hasn't other
0: than by us yeah
2: so yeah. there's always an opportunity in that area like I said 1989's come up and
0: there's so many fascinating stories yeah. out there yeah amazing. well at the
2: moment I'm working on <clears throat> three different history books to do with um, the, the game there's one on, from the very beginning, so footy played in Australia in 1820s yep. through to 18, the 1820s through the 1858 yeah. period. Oh, so looking before 58? Yeah, so games yeah. played with round balls and other balls and you know. So everything played basically. All sorts yeah. of stuff like that. And then, um, so that's going on and on and on, it's about two years late in mm-hmm. delivery. <laughs> still hasn't been finished, no. but that'll be out next year. Yeah. So that's a uh, that'll be probably, I don't know, two hundred or 300,000 words. Yeah, On wow. every issue to do with the history of the game. Massive. And right now, I just left the office to come and do this with you guys, <laughs> um, editing a book on the 1910 uh, scandal. Oh, no, the bribery. Yes. The bribery scandal. Bongo Lane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. Bongo Lang and Doug Fraser and um, Gillespie. Gillespie, yeah. yeah. So
0: that's quite a complex editing job. Uh, I can imagine, and a big yeah, yeah. Like, where so with something like that, where are there? Is it interviews? Where are the sources coming coming from? So it's there, it's two, some
2: historians from Deakin University are doing yeah. it. Yep. Um, Tony Joel and, and Matt Turner. Yeah. And that's their job, being historians. Yeah. So they're ferreted around to find any uh, primary material they could: minutes of the VFL at the time, yeah. um, newspaper articles, whatever they could find. Yeah, it'd be tricky. Wouldn't sort of. Uh, it's, it's tricky because although there's a lot of reporting around the event at the time, no real um in-depth minutes or no. similar
0: a lot of anecdotal stuff i would imagine pretty much all these yeah. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah different views yeah. And so hard to sort of, sort of sort out what actually happened compared to Correct. You know, the stories yeah. yeah
2: so lang got 10 years and came back and played in 1918 or 19 yep. i think but only briefly and then disappeared and he died in the th- late 30s and there's no trace of him or family wow. since so um I'm still going in it, so I can't tell you the answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine.
0: So I guess um, taking a step back, so you started out with the truth. Yeah. What sort of drew you to journalism in the first place?
2: Oh, it was just a job. I was interested in horse racing. Yeah. It was a job for a racing cadet. Okay. And I happened to fluke it. Um, yeah. So that was 1971. Yeah. And that's the reason why I missed the 71 grand final. I was actually at the Mooney Valley races. At oh, the, really? Yeah. So from that... Uh, I just learnt the craft of and know, from there. detail and um, getting detail right, which is so important when you're a cadet on racing. You've got to get the form right. Yep. Yeah. So that sort of extends into a fetish for fact checking and yeah, all this sort of stuff. So. Of course.
0: You're still into the r- racing? Yeah, bits well? and pieces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. I actually race greyhounds these days, but so. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't go to the races, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So being the AFL's official public publicator? Publisher? Publisher, yeah. That's a huge responsibility. Well,
2: yeah, at the time we were commissioned to do their work, so the responsibility was more to do with, to make sure that the um, morals and values of the AFL were represented in print. But there were, there were um, process on the way through of, of um, other people checking, but you, you're right in general that most of the responsibility for the content left with, was left with us because they trusted us to do the job and carry the yeah. um, the AFL's position as it should be. Yeah, so yeah. So great if, position of yeah. trust. Yeah. So if, if you look at when we started in '95 and look at the way the annual report of the VFL uh, AFL in that time um, developed from basically you know a staple a few sheets to what it is today, that's an indication of the sort of work we did um, to grow the brand from all its publications to represent the joy of footy.
0: Yeah. And it it seems like, I mean, listening to a few other people's research, like, the you know, we talked about the the season that was, 93, that podcast and stuff, talking about Ross Oakley, it seems like that was a period where the AFL was really moving from a... into its the professionalism that we now see so <clears throat> that would have been a huge part of you know what you were doing as well yeah. is sort of changing the the external view of, of the way the game is looked at I imagine also
2: yeah well in my time it went from um, a two, three-story building in Jollymont Terrace then it went around the corner to Jollymont Street and then it went to the MCG and now it's at Docklands um, and each of those evolutions you might have had I don't know, 10 full time staff to 50 to whatever it is today, Yeah, you know, hundreds, hundreds. So it certainly developed um, as it had to because of the interest in the game and the, and the funds it was generating um, and all the opportunities that were available to a brand like the AFL to actually use, it. I don't I mean it's a negative way, but it's capacity to exploit revenue streams. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Extremely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and as you've seen this week with the integrity issues and, and the, the, the issues with fans, it's got responsibilities, you know, that, that are... Far-reaching, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah the, the temperature taker of uh, community, really, in a lot of Pretty ways. Pretty much. You, can, yeah. you could argue
2: whether they should concentrate more on the game and, and how it's played, um, yeah. which it attempts to do very much. Yeah, um, and, and that area has grown enormously in that period too. You know, there was a football operations manager and the secretary. Yeah. Now you've got, you know, probably thirty people in that department. Now, yeah. Including analysts on the game that, you know, so they're almost attempting to have a, a facsimile of a footy club's footy department inside the AFL so they're not behind the way the
1: game is played. Oh, yeah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating, yeah. Can I Quickly talk about the, the football record. Why did it move from the pocket size one to the A4? Uh, I, I had a real fondness for those, the pocket size one. <laughs> yeah, but maybe your fondness is
2: um, lost in the mist of time because Possibly. there wasn't much in it. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was basically the numbers, a bit of editorial, a few ads, some letters to the editor. Yeah, um, it wasn't a lot of
1: pictures, it was mostly black and white. No,
2: um, Just text. There, there was. Uh, <sighs> In fact, like most things, it's a commercial decision as well. Yeah. So advertising had an opportunity to be in colour. Yeah. Uh, there were there was rudimentary colour before 95. Yeah. But when it went to the A4 or the, or the quarter size, um, the opportunity became greater. Yeah. Um, but also it was about a time when um, presenting the game in a, an official publication was seen to be important. Yeah, by that's a good point. Ross Oakley and the Commission. Yeah, absolutely. I just
1: like that whole thing of you had the nice... Little eight four one, no the the pocket size one for the games, but then finals would be the, the big one, the I mean, special yeah, ones. Yeah. I I, I, just, I guess it's from childhood. You just have those memories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you might be overwhelmed. <laughs> I think, I, think <laughs> I might be rose yeah. coloured.
0: <laughs> bit rose yeah, coloured. Yeah. Um. So you t- you talked before about um, leaving journalism for a little while. What what sort of took what sort of took you out? What took you into the restaurant business?
2: Well, I just got married and um, we'd been to Europe. And uh, journalism in that time was a very devouring business. Mm-hmm. So, from you know, nine o'clock in the morning till one o'clock the next morning, if you were doing it seriously. Um, so, it didn't seem to me and to us that it was a good um, recipe for a long and successful marriage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, we started a restaurant, which is a crazy thing to do because it's probably harder than. I was going to say know. the hours, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but during that period, 82 to 87, I was also contributing to the ages and doing column pieces and bits and pieces and stuff like that. So I never really left it in that sense. Um, so when the opportunity came in 87 to go to the Herald as a sports editor, uh, we continued. I continued to do the restaurant simultaneously. So that became a bizarre, bizarre period of fatigue. Um, I can imagine. So at the Herald, you'd start at five thirty in the morning and finish at about four, and then I'd go down to the restaurant and leave there at about ten, and then start again the next morning. Ugh. So that lasted. So we, we sold the rest on eighty-eight. So you did
0: them for um, about a
2: year. Yeah, and then wow. uh, then the Sunday Age. The Sunday started in eighty-nine. So we had the Sunday Age, the Sunday Herald, and the Sunday Sun. Yep. All. In August 1989, so the 30th anniversary of those is coming up. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, I got the offer from Steve Harris, who was the first editor of the Sunday Age, to come over as sports editor, and it seemed a good idea at the time.
0: And did, did that sort of weekly publication with that sort of allowance for you to go more in depth with stories kind of lead you more to what you're doing now, the the idea that you can spend a bit more time, obviously spending a lot more time now focusing on stories, but was that sort of a natural progression? Mm.
2: Well, Sunday papers in those days were basically a collection of events that happened in the week, analysis of the week, um, as well as the reporting of the previous day's events, obviously. So in the footy season, it was paramount that the footy was covered brilliantly, which we did, and uh, also that the the team I had at the time, which included Mike Sheen, Caroline Wilson, Steve Perkin, Richard Hines, Gerard Wright, um, was just group one performers, all of them. So they had access to the best news, the best reporting, the best feature writing. Um, we had Wayne Ludby as our chief photographer. So it, it was a great period for us to do more than just once over lightly in yep. the Sunday papers. And the same thing applied to the Sunday Herald, that was a great paper for a period. And similarly to the Sunday Sun, a more tabloid version of what a Sunday paper was. But the Sunday Herald and the Sunday Age, if you look back in those first couple of years, terrific newspapers that really don't exist anymore because it seems we're overwhelmed with the concept of instant news, um, Mm. reporting footy and cricket as it happens, live blogging. um,
0: Yeah, it's more important to be first than be Yeah, so
2: if you look at the way The Age and The the Herald Sun is reporting footy these days, a lot of it's written in advance of the end end of the game. They're doing little briefs as it happens dropping them into their laptop mm. and then putting a top on it so the the reporting is not about analysis so when i was doing it in the 80s you would go to a match on a saturday mow on it on saturday night maybe do some of it on saturday night and then go to the office on sunday and write it so you had the opportunity to reflect to analyze to consider to talk lots of people after the game yeah. so that need for instant wasn't there at all so one of the books we've just uh, published is the Electrifying 80s, which is a collection of footy writing through the 80s, which um, which demonstrates exactly what I'm saying: time to do things well, yeah. to seek sources and to get information, yeah, and write it really well. So that's our latest book, actually.
0: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so I can tell, obviously, by <coughs> you you that that's sort of what's missing in today yeah, in today's. Writing isn't it? It's yeah. we just don't have the time or the mm. the, the, well, the concentration span. Uh, the, the uh, that's problem.
2: what it's put it down to. Yeah. But I think um, look, I, I think it, it, it seems to me editors don't have the guts to actually reject the, it, the need to be quick. Yep. And let their reporters take time to do things. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I, I haven't mm. been inside the the daily uh, grind for a long time, but. There's a there's a way you can do it that still gives you opportunity to analyse and speak to people and um, you know get it done properly.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Getting all the different all the different perspectives before you publish the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: and talk to as many people as you can, not just the coaches' conference. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so football history is obviously something you're very passionate about. Yeah, uh, it's re- and. Something that we do, that's what we're passionate about as well. But one thing we tend to notice is that football history, if we're talking about VFL, AFL, it's kind of like 1950 onwards. A lot of the stuff before that gets really brushed over. Is that a responsibility you think we all have to to rehash that?
2: Well, um, you're probably right because there's not a lot... That, I mean, there are there there biographies of some of the star people of that era. The Rockies
1: only ones are a really good one from that era. Mm. Yeah,
2: so we produced that uh, last year, I think, yeah, maybe fantastic. the year before. Yeah. Um, and The Red Fox, which was about Norm Smith, probably eight years ago, and then uh, King Richard on Dick Reynolds. Yeah, the Dan anyway. So the, 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 I suppose the answer to your question is the fact that those books could be written now suggests that they should have been written before. Yeah, and there's well, so many
1: champions and yeah, people... We don't know about people the regular people don't know about unless you dig deeper mm. so yeah. many champions that we've That's discovered so through doing our the, podcasts the
0: yeah i guess the, the the conversation has been you know people think of football history as what's happened since you know the 50s and 60s a lot of people it's don't so go further, further back, back but there's so many brilliant stories and you, you know just to about 1910 yeah. and these things there's, there's amazing things that happened further back that it's kind of I'm hard that, yeah, yeah. yeah. It it did get a bit to... lost in in time. Yeah. So
2: well, Mark Penning's has done a lot of stuff on the eighteen, yeah, fifties onto the eighteen nineties about the prehistory of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's an incredible. And Colin Carter is mounting a challenge to get premierships back to uh, well, not the necessary premierships. That's sort of the way it's couched, but yeah. to recognise that the game began in eighteen seventy.
1: Yes, I noticed your name was mentioned in yeah. that exhibition.
2: Yeah, uh, I think eighteen seventy seven is a better starting point because that's when the VFA was actually. Formed as an organising body Yeah. in in times before that the clubs just sort of rolled up and had a game if they could yep. if they didn't they didn't you know so it wasn't really organised but from 1877 it's been a very well organised competition and and the VFA years were seminal in what we play today
0: yeah it's we've had some interesting discussions about this thing about that point exactly because I Tim's very much in your camp on this and I I kind of struggle with the idea of of the VFA being part of the history of the VFL and the AFL because it could be because it was a split because it split off so yeah. I kind of feel like it, that's kind of where the VFL started was eighteen ninety seven and the VFA continued for such a long time after it's yeah but been, if you
2: take the names out the clubs are the key points yes so the clubs yeah, yeah. I think ten of the clubs yeah. in the VFA are in the AFL system right now yeah yep. um, yeah so.
0: It's an inter- yeah. yeah.
2: It's it's a good discussion. Yeah, it's very and, interesting. One that Collins spent a lot of time on and a lot of work on, a lot of conversations I've had with him and he with others, and um, it, it seems the commission is warmish on it, but not okay. red hot. I think <laughs> no, so. Need a bit more of a push. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the hurdle will be recognising premierships, but there's ways to do that. You could say this period, that period, from eighteen ninety. 1870 or 1877 to 1897, 1897 to 1990, and then the AFL period, the National Game. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes.
1: So it seems a lot of the books that are published through you are based on history. Why is that? Is that your Uh, goal?
2: Well, it it goes back to what we were saying before. It's been an area that's um, (coughs) been neglected. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. And... um, you mentioned before the Red Fox being really interested in Norm Smith, well nothing has been done on him, he's mm. the recognised as the coach of the century. Yeah. So we also did Jock McHale, yep. now funnily enough that didn't sell very well at all and Glenn McFarlane did a fantastic job on him. Um, when you say we, we, we cover history, well we also cover li- living history. So. Yes. Conrad Marshall was inside the Richmond Footy Club for two seasons, which happened to be a premiership season, one of them. Amazing. So that's a living history. Um, Peter Ryan was inside Collingwood in ni- in 2009, uh, a year too early, unfortunately. Um, but each of those books has been commissioned on the basis that most people outside the inner sanctum of a footy club really don't know how they operate. And in in the case of Collingwood and Richmond, they very generously allowed reporters inside every part of the way the club worked. So if you read those books, whether you're a fan or not, you get a sense to understand how a professional football club and its players and its administrators and its football department actually work to get the best outcome on the field every Saturday. Yeah. Every weekend these days. Every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, Monday. It <Yeah. laughs> is, yeah.
0: like, is, is like that, isn't it?
2: So, so we're, we're up for contemporary stuff. It's just that the the ground has still not been fully broken in the yeah. in the history of the game and the personalities who made it. Yeah.
0: So you me- so those books that you just mentioned were commissioned in house. Is that yeah yeah? yeah. Do people come to you also with their own pitches for things that you you then...
2: Well, those two were a little bit different. So in 2009, Peter Ryan was working for me full-time and I gave him the opportunity to be inside Collingwood as a paid employee. He did other things as well. He wrote for the record on the way through, but generally his time was spent inside Collingwood Footy Club. So it's an internal commission to an employee. In 2016, Conrad Marshall, who works for Good Weekend for The Age, came to me with an idea that he said, he'd spoken to Richmond and they're up for it. What do you think to me? And I said, well, I- if you can devote the time and write it in the way that ta- takes us inside the club, we're up for it. So two different things. So in the first case, you've got a fully paid employee. In the yep. second case, a, a commissioned author who came to us with the idea. It's paid in advance and royalties on, on the case. Yep, okay. Yeah. So we, do, we don't have employees writing... Books anymore; it's too too expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we do commission people to, to do things for a fee or a royalty based uh, contract. So Tony Wilson doing eighty nine. That was an idea that we had. We went to him. He liked the idea. He's doing it on advance and royalty. Okay.
0: Contract. So yeah. So you you will in house come up with some ideas, of yeah. things that you think yeah. would make interesting stories that might you know yeah hit the yeah.
2: So any publisher works the same way. Yeah. Receiving ideas from either uh, potential authors or agents, yep, and also finding ideas to the market that they think can work, and then finding, finding the right person to do to it. Do it. Yeah. yeah,
0: have there have there been many people who've come to you with things that you, maybe you were interested in, but thought to yourself, "Do you know what? I don't think that would that would sell very well." Or yeah, happens, all, like the that. It happens all the time.
2: Happens all the time. People with passion who may have already done something or want to do something and it doesn't have, in our view, commercial X. Yeah. Um, and that's in the end what sells, the books sell,
1: so you, yeah. that's why you're writing the books, isn't yeah,
2: it? Yeah, yeah. And so if someone comes to me with an idea, I say, listen, might be a good idea, but do you know how much it's going to cost you to do this in terms of time and dollars per hour? It won't be worth it. Yeah. If you still want to do it, as we th- a passion project, we like the idea and we think it probably should be published, but it's not going to be worthwhile financially. Yeah, yeah. so there are some books like that. So, passion projects for both parties,
0: yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, um, we pretty
1: much covered most of these now yeah, through just, just our general conversation. So,
2: you had Russell Holmesby on your podcast a few weeks ago, yeah. so we there's another one we 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 listened to the 93 season and I heard Robert Shaw talking about the end of Fitzroy yep. and I thought to myself at the time well we haven't done that the yep. the, the death of Fitzroy so we asked Russell to do that for yeah. the reason he lived through it yeah he was the editor of Inside Football at yep. the time he'd commissioned a lot of pieces on that sort of first person yep. so he's in the middle of doing that book for us
0: Which the, death, will be, the yeah. death of Fitzroy it'll yeah. be amazing to read that i guess yeah. so the the it's a, it's a tricky balance i guess isn't it finding stories like that where you can can still have that emotional attachment, and it's based in things in people's living history? Whereas yeah. when you're trying to get back to the book we mentioned before about 1910 and these sorts of things, tr- trying to create a a narrative within that when you when you can't really find. Yeah. Too much perspective I get pers- different perspectives on it. Yeah, that creates an, a whole new challenge. Yeah, I but imagine. there are a lot
2: of um, histories of Napoleon. Yeah, so <laughs> he's been gone a fair while. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah so no, it's way. true. So historians have got to find the way to get as close to the truth as they can yeah. through whatever is available, either primary sources, secondary sources, or letters behind, or all those sort yeah. of. Things. Yeah. So um, you've got to trust your writers to get to the find information. those things. And yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. And look, we talked before about living history. We've also done a lot of club histories yeah. that uh, run all the way through to the moment. We do an annual publication which refers to the Premiers of the Year, which is done in, in mainly in pictures but with great captions and linking narrative. Yeah. So... We don't miss an opportunity, if we can, for living history. Yeah. You know, because those things become relevant in 50 years. Oh, right? absolutely. You know, absolutely. So today's events, you know, you're talking about primary sources, they'll become primary sources to yes. someone. yeah, in the future. future. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's... Um, when Melbourne yeah. is net
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that... I guess that's something that we have definitely noticed going through and trying to find this research is um, there wasn't the same... Uh, fondness or appreciation for the fact that what was going on in the present will become those primary sources back in the like days. Especially clubs like Hawthorne, where
1: they were atrocious mm-hmm. to start with. So we're talking to Peter Haby and he said there's not a, not a lot of history from the early yeah. days because people didn't hold on to it. They didn't things. want to remember. Yeah, it wasn't a but, good
2: season. but at the same time, the, the daily newspapers were really meticulous in what they wrote. They wrote lengthy pieces. You know. Yeah, so we're that's talking true. about this Bongo Lang issue. The, the Australasian, the Age, the Argus um, and even interstate papers through agencies written chapter and verse about some of the detail yeah. You know, the moment that he went into the rooms on semi-final day and saw his name wasn't on the team sheet yeah. so those sort of things have been expressed very well from the contemporary papers and and through a lot of that period there were great magazines that covered footy um, Footy life, football life was one of them so a lot of... Yeah. Um, features about individuals, so there is stuff there that relates to the moment, um, but not necessarily in book form. Yeah. Then there was a period in the eighties and the nineties where a lot of ghosted books came through. You know, um, Robbie Flower had one. Lee Matthews had one. Um, Gary Ablett, Ken yes. Peace did one on him. Yeah. So there's a bits and pieces going on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, is there any any particular Thing that you are particularly interested in that you don't think is commercially viable, commercially viable. <laughs>
2: so you can probably look at most of our list. and yeah. well, so no, we've I've published a lot of our list that's not necessarily commercially viable, but um, we like it. So we yeah, it.
0: of course. But anything sort of that sits in your mind where you're like, that's something that fascinates you that you just you couldn't you couldn't <laughs> touch.
2: Not, not really. Um, Look, I'd love to do another inside footy club that won a premiership. Yeah. They're you know, gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just picking the time. From, from both parts of the of the story, from, yeah. from a commercial success and also, as I said, from how a footy club operates. Yeah,
0: and seeing someone who's actually at the peak of their powers. Yeah, and yeah. Powers and because they, it was a drought-based breaking running. premiership as
2: well. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Richmond was just he, 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 unbelievable for yes. us yeah. as publishers and
0: for Conrad, you know. Yeah, it would have been amazing. Mm.
1: Mm. Melbourne's really the only one also killed her. Just got to wait till they win. <laughs>
0: get someone inside. <laughs> All the
1: fans yeah. would then buy it because. <laughs> well, Richmond no, was an example of that. So, exactly.
2: uh, St Kilda would be, you know, their latent supporter base is massive. You know, yeah. As you remember from 2009, 10, and yeah. the like, you know. Yeah. Um, no doubt they'll be back sometime. Oh, yeah. Ebbs and flows. It's got to happen, it's doesn't it? Unless the
1: board gets in the way.
2: One thing that. Um, is not contemporary but it's historical and contemporary is we're we're asking Paul Harvey, the caricaturist, to put together a book which we notionally call Footy Illustrated, which is illustrations, caricatures, cartoons and paintings and art on football from the beginning all the way through to today. So So amazing yeah, so while while looking at the while I'm editing these books on you know the prehistory and Bongo Lang. You go to Trove and you see these wonderful line drawings of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that'll be really good. Now, yeah. that might answer your question. Is that going to be commercial? I don't know, but I'd love to see it in the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be
0: fantastic. But we, we were even having a conversation on the way in talking about how sometimes those, you know, pictorial and, and oral histories are, are just as important. They are definitely just as important to the game as, as anything because they sort of show Either through words or through pictures, what was the reality of the time that they came yeah, from?
2: Yeah, Well, another uh, recent one's is done by Matt Zerbo, who who interviewed a whole range of players from the '40s all the way through in their in their voice. So it's a complete first yeah. person, and the way they describe footy and, and how it evolved. The last one I think is Simon Black. Um, oh yeah. And. You know, it's a completely different game these people played and how they lived and what they did and how they worked and how they drank and how they socialised and all those sort of things. Completely different. So that's an example of a first-person book that
0: describes... Transitional periods, yeah, that really anecdotal, for yeah, evidence, yeah, of, in their voice, yeah, and it's, it's fascinating to hear those, those sort of stories that you not you can't pull out of you know trove or things no, like that, no, which no. is no, you amazing. have to sit down and talk, and to, the talk to those yeah, people, yeah, 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 um, yeah, no, that's what well, I mean, that's what it's all about, yeah, you know? um, what, uh, what was it? I had something in my mind before that I wanted to ask you, uh, yeah, uh, so. Obviously, with the final quarter coming out and the, those sort of documentaries, there's been a huge focus on, um, on and for a long time the, indi- the you know the indigenous side of things and how indigenous players have sometimes been treated in our game and, and things like that. Um, are there any sort of focuses on on that for you in the future? Do you think
2: on indigenous footy? Yeah. Um, well. Not specifically, but we've been approached by Roy Hayes, who's just done a book on uh, Indigenous football in the 19th century, Indigenous footballers, and how they um, became part of the game. Um, and he's propped a, f- a couple of stories that expand chapters in that book into fully uh, versed profiles of some of these people. But other than that, and what we published in the AFL's official History in two thousand and eight, um, we haven't had the opportunity to do anything with Indigenous players. Yeah, I was, I was uh, approached to do a book on Nikki Winmar some years ago, um, but the editing process uh, wasn't a happy medium for the author, so they went elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which can happen. I can I imagine. Because we have strict criteria about how things are and how facts are and wh- who you speak to and who you don't speak to. Yeah. So that's one that I would have liked to publish. Um, I think it was the 25th anniversary of the moment. Yeah. Um, but they published that themselves.
0: And you, you were saying before that you worked with, with, with Wally, wasn't it, who took He took the photo, didn't he, on the day? when you were working on the sunday uh, Wayne Ludby? Wayne sorry Wayne yeah, yeah yeah he took the photo yeah, he didn't took the photo he under. yeah um,
2: i wasn't working at the paper at the time yeah. but and, and it was published as a small uh, insert piece on the front page of the paper yeah and i think on page 3 in the herald sun or the sunday herald sun by john
0: Fetter. and they got um, the line, the byline wrong what's that they got the line wrong didn't they in the uh, in one of them? They said we should. We should like. They thought he was saying we should. We showed ask. him. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, unclear whether either of them actually heard what he said. Okay. And Nicky sort of prevaricates a little bit about what he actually said. So um, yeah. So that's one that we. I would have liked to publish. Yeah. Probably not commercial. To answer your question before, but it, it ended up being published by somebody else. Um, Adam's story. Adam Goods's story would be a well worth. Publisher, of course, I would imagine he'd been approached by publishers who've got more resources than we have to actually um, produce his memoirs his yeah. autobiography. I don't know the answer to that, but um, that would be a bestseller for sure.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, the, the, and leading on from that, there's been a lot more, as time's gone on, a lot, lot more ex players releasing autobiographies or ghost biographies in the last decade, even, would you say? More so than ever before. Yeah,
2: because the money they get is enormous. Yeah. Enormous. Um, I've been trying to get Michael Long's story for, I don't know, 12 years probably, from when he worked at the AFL for a brief period. Um, Every now and again we get close, but then he goes and does something else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Long, is a tremendous person and Mm. a tremendous story and a great visionary and Purposeful individual who's done tremendous things for all of us, not yeah. just the people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great story, wanting to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, do you have a favourite of the books that you guys have published? Uh, the most commercial ones. <laughs> 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 well, you have. Our, my favourite is the grand final ones you released. The oh, yeah. Volume one, two and Three, which oh, i oh, yeah. They're awesome. Well, they um, were uh,
2: complete commercial disasters for us because. <laughs> They cost a lot of money to produce, as yeah. you can imagine. And the, the thing is, the market, people want to buy books about their footy club. Yeah. So the best ones we've had have been ones focused on the Single club. Clubs, yeah. Yeah, so histories of Geelong, Melbourne, Hawthorne, Collingwood, Essendon, yeah. Richmond, all tremendous uh, tremendous successes for us. Yellow and Black, tremendous success. Yeah. Grand Finals, Volume 1, 2, 3. Uh, an important book that needed to happen. Yeah. But, you know, we've still got quite a few of volume one, two. Yeah. <laughs> and then
1: once you started, obviously, you had to do the rest of them. Yeah. You I couldn't just do so. volume one. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: and similarly with the Norm Smith Medals, which we produced yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, again, that's a first person account of, uh, of those guys who won the medal. And that's a terrific book and a terrific story about champions who did things on the day. Yeah. Um, and that'll that'll last the test of time yes. so, yeah
0: absolutely um, yeah do you think do you think as time's going on um, people are, be- are becoming more interested in the history of the game no you, you, no no. <laughs> no you think it's it sort of do you think it's going the other way obviously by that
1: oh,
2: look I, I just think that the moment is the moment and you know life's busy for everyone they yeah. just want the moment yeah um, takes time to get into some of these books. Like I said, The History of Australian Football, 300,000 words, what's that, four or 500 pages? Yeah, it's a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's an academic thing, but it should be done, should be told. And it's taken a long time because I keep saying to the authors, we've got one chance to do this, so let's get it right, you know, so do more on that, do more on this person, do more on this era. Yeah. So it was due. Two years ago, I think, and probably next year, probably.
0: How do you get that? How do you find that balance of, you know, we're saying you know get more on this, get more on that, but but still keeping it entertaining. S- yes, yes, yeah, synthesised and in, and and entertaining without sort of going off on because there's, I mean we find it every time that we're looking at a single year, there's about a thousand ta- different tangents yeah. that are fascinating yeah. that you want to go off on, but sort of staying on some semblance of a track to remain a a narrative. How do you do do it? Because it must be...
2: Well, it's a little bit like the Norm Smith um, biography that each chapter should be self-contained, which is the way they've done it. Um, And then what I said to you before about we need more here that will be incorporated within the chapter. Yep. So an example of that is that the first president of the VFL in 1897 was Alex McCracken who who's came from a, uh, a brewery yeah. background uh, multi-millionaire at the time yeah. whatever equivalent it was called yeah, the bombers yeah same else yes that's right um, and his brewery was brought out by Carlton United I think in 1905 or thereabouts. Yeah. so he was the president of the VFL for 10 or so years um, and in the first draft of the manuscript there's only two paragraphs on him yeah so I said you, we need more on him. You know what he did, how he how he became the president. Why him? Why isn't he the president of the first um, VFL in 1897? And also more detail on how that split happened and why it happened. And, uh, so that's an example of an important yeah set seminal moment in the change of the game. Yeah, so making sure Just you really more. focus
0: on those on those yeah, really yeah. seminal moments and sort yeah. of.
2: And I don't want to read the proofs or or see the book in hand and think, why didn't we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For something so important as this that should be the source material for how the game evolved and what it was and what it is, we can't have any flaws in it. Yeah. So whatever it takes. No, well, we we did our
1: 1897 episode, like the second one we ever did, and then we kind of listened back to it a year later and we decided we had to redo it. Cause <laughs> we too, left yeah, so too much, much out. There's stuff we, there's stuff that, we yeah. didn't pay enough attention to, just like you're saying, that yeah deserves yeah. attention.
2: Yeah. So in that period is the um, T.S. Marshall, the long-time secretary of the VFA, um, who was a stickler for amateurism, you know. Mm. And and he, he was the secretary of the VFA for 20 years or so, so... Again, not enough is about him inside this narrative, so yeah. they've gone back to him and, and what he did and why it was important and, you know, at that time he, he suggested there should be two parts of the, uh, uh, an A and a B period with transition between each, you know, like soccer.
1: Yep. Yeah, promotion, um,
2: Yeah, that sort of stuff, which never came off. Yeah, um, yeah so... Look, your point is that any any week in history can be done in a 1,000 words or yep. 10,000 words or yep. 100 yeah. words. Yeah, but it's just so finding It's getting the balance right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. And
1: that, that can be said today as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. um, last question I've got is, what still excites you about the game?
2: Oh, it's yeah. the same as always been. The players who make it, the challenge of each week, um, following your team, you yeah. know, uh, hoping they win, exulting when they do, um seeing new players come through, uh, shedding tears when people like Cyril disappear from the game. Yeah. Um, so that, that's eternal. Yeah. Uh, and even though the, the, the game is very different from what it was when I you know, first saw the Hawks in 61 with the Premiership, the basics are still the same. You know, the best players get the ball more often and do better things with it. Yeah. And so you just want to see the, the good players do great things and, and be excited by it and be involved with it. Um, and, you know, as a, as a reporter, um, one is supposed to be objective, but if you lose the passion for the moment of the game in your team, then you have lesser capacity to report well on it. So it's about maintaining those sort of things. Yeah. So although I don't report on the game anymore, I, I'm still involved in I, I'm still excited by what it is and how it always has been and what's meant to me over that journey.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Well, was, yeah, no. Thank you. Thank you so yeah, much yeah, for your Thank time you. I, time I mean a lot of yeah.
1: as I said start, a lot of your books we use as resources for informing <laughs> oh, us. Yeah. Absolutely, and yeah, they're, they're great because they're so well researched. They're double checked. There we can we can rely on them. It's it's quite interesting reading like the hundred years of football book that we started with. We thought that kind of was everything, but then we got told pretty quickly there's a lot of mistakes in this. It's inaccurate. Don't rely on it. And we very rarely do the know. Penguin that. book. Yeah, nineteen ninety six. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we because we, we know how we we can rely on the books that you've. Oh, and, and now talking lead. to you now yeah. about the length you go through to, to check these and double check the facts, it's it really yeah it, it justifies why we use them. Yeah. So back to Bongo Lane. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it. Yeah.
2: So they'll be out in August or September as well. So. Oh, cool. If if we get these issues resolved. What's it called? Uh, on the take. Okay.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> and and another part of that story is that. The, the the byproduct of the Lang um, suspension or disqualification was that they they changed the rules and allowed professionalism to inter- come into yes. the game in 1911. Yep. So it was seminal in that regard as well. Yeah, it's amazing how sort of
0: professionalism came to these the... dominoes. Yeah, 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 how it all sort of came comes about. We were talking not that not that many weeks ago about um, that game, the Melbourne game, where someone got. Absolutely smashed. Oh, that seventeen command. Yeah, that Bob was Corbett? that was sort of the lead into having yeah 19, and starting yeah. an interchange on the. Uh, no, like thirty thirty, wasn't 30 oh, yeah, one. 30.
1: Wasn't no, because I'm researching it now for next week. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That it comes in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's inter- Yeah, it's interesting. You see these these single moments and they how much they they actually have R- molded R- the R- game R- R- we R- yeah. still know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, 1931 also was the page system yes.
0: Yeah. Charlie can't stand the amended Argus system. Yeah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm done. <laughs> no more challenge. No more challenge.
2: Yeah, well, there were two versions of that between 1898 yeah. and... Yeah. Yeah. Three bizarre. years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> it is so bizarre. Because of fun. Geelong. Geelong just got screwed over. Every time. Yeah. So <laughs> in 1910, Carlton lost the semi-final and then had a week off to prepare for the grand final, which just doesn't make mm. any, no, sense yeah. no. any sense. No, yeah. Any sense. It's,
0: yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah.
2: Um, we figured it all out alright yeah. well <laughs> boys thanks for your uh, interest and no, thank, you. thank you so much
0: time. it's been a no it's been a real pleasure reading all the books it's been great mm, and, and thank you yeah, so much to your time good thank <laughs>
2: you you can contact kick to kick by email at kick to kick podcast at gmail.com. find us on twitter at kick to kick pod or instagram which is at kick to kick Pod as well. For our growing list of all our references, please go to kicktokick.podbean.com slash p slash reference dash list. Thank you very much for listening.